Welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. everyone. Welcome to episode 40 of the Building Heroes podcast. And today I'm excited to introduce you to Rachel Fig, our guest for today. And she is a homeschool mom of four. And she also is the owner of the Hands-On Homeschool Virtual Co-op, which sounds like an amazing program to help you have your best year ever by providing all those extracurricular things that you don't get around to. So Rachel, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to hop on this podcast interview with me. And I would hey, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. Thanks. So what I want to do is start off and have you tell us your story. How did you get to this space time of life? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I have four kids, like you mentioned, my oldest is 10. Um, and my youngest is three. We started homeschooling, uh, or thinking about homeschooling way back when he, when my oldest was like three and I just knew that I wanted to, to homeschool. I had been a teacher, a music teacher in uh, the public schools and we, um, I, I really enjoyed that and being there, but when it came time to send my own kids, I didn't want to. So I, um, we also had some schedule things going on with my husband's job. And I just knew that it would be best for us and our family if, if we homeschooled. So that's what I started to look into, um, when he was like three and we ended up starting homeschooling um, at four, put them into a co-op. I was researching all the things, finding all the curriculum, uh, planning really fun things to do. And I was having a ball and he was too. We were having a really fun time. So that, you know, first year was really good. Um, and even into kindergarten, his kindergarten year, things were really good um, with, with all of that because I was still kind of I was really creative and uh, thinking of all of the possible ways that I could teach all of these skills and concepts and things. And um, I, something happened though that year where I started looking around at other homeschool moms and this is like a big no-no, don't compare yourself to anybody, but I was. And I was looking and noticing that people, other uh, families were doing some curriculum and they were, you know, and I started thinking, well, if they're using curriculum, if I don't start using curriculum, we're going to get behind and we're going to be behind, you know, for, we're going to be behind. And I'm starting to like, think about like high school and he's not going to graduate. You know, I mean, I just went, I just went there. <laughs> We all do that. <laughs> oh, no, it, looking back, that was so ridiculous. But I got, I, I ended up just getting tunnel vision. I pulled out the curriculum and I said, we're just going to do the curriculum. And I had bought hands-on multi-sensory curriculum, you know, so I thought it would be okay. But I got tunnel vision. I just did what the curriculum said and kind of like scheduled that as our school time. And then I said, okay, now you can go play. So we had school time and then go play. And it was like this big distinction between the two, um, but between the two time periods. And we started butting heads. Like we really started to, <laughs> um, he's already a pretty strong-willed child. And 
this just started, it just really started to get bad. So we, um, kind of finished out that year. I was glad to be done. Uh, we went into first grade. Things did not get better. Um, they were, we were still butting heads. Things were just kind of a mess. And I knew that my second son was getting close to kindergarten age. And I was like, I can't do this. You know, I can't keep going down this path. And I didn't really know what to do. Um, but I did a lot of, you know, like thinking and self-reflection and really, just like, what is, what's going on here and reading and all of that. And I just came to the conclusion that it was all my fault. <laughs> it was my attitude about school and life and how they were separate. And when you're homeschooling, it is so different. Um, you have to make school uh, and life just all the same. It, it is the same. Kids learn um, all the time and it doesn't, you don't have to even you don't have to be so tied down to school time or this time is school time. The rest is play. It all kind of goes together. So from there, I changed everything up and I started to get more creative and more confident, kind of get that back, um, pulling in a lot of hands-on resources, a lot of hands-on learning. Um, I've come to call this sneaky learning because it's like when the kids are learning they're doing things, they're playing, um, and they don't even know they're learning, but they are definitely learning. So I would put those, I would, you know, play board games with them. And I would do all of these things that just kind of wove it all together with life. And that is just really, that, that changed everything. And that gave us a really, what I started to call the hands-on homeschool. So I um, had this, you know, hands-on homeschool and I was like, this is cool. This is awesome. I figured it out finally. So that's how um, our homeschooling journey has gone. And then kind of from there, I wanted to put in more, I'm a music teacher. I already mentioned that. So I wanted my kids to get more music classes and I was like trying to teach their music classes for them. Um, but I also wanted art and I wanted PE and I wanted, you know, STEM and I had some STEM resources and I started to try to pull that all together and realized I needed help. And that's where the idea for my business came. Um, I wanted, I, got everything all pulled together. And I was like, well, I can't just do this for myself. I'm like, everybody needs this. So I turned it into a virtual co-op and um, we have that and we share that with um, all the families. <laughs> and then um, we had, we just finished up our first year of the co-op and it was really good. It was, it was really awesome. And we're getting ready to have our second awesome year coming up. Wow. I love that story. That is such a great story because um, so many of us homeschool moms, we think we know what it's going to be like when we start, and then it's not, and then we have to adjust, and I think it's really kind of interesting that you started out making it really fun, you guys loved it, and you were all creative, but then you let, you know, that little bit of fear creep in and go, oh, no, I need a curriculum, yeah. and then, um, that's, that's, I think, a big, um, what's the word, uh, trap for so many of us. It's not that we can't use curriculum, but we let the curriculum become the master. Exactly. So instead of doing all of the fun stuff that you used to be doing, you're like, no, we have to do this. If we don't do this, we're failing. And that just makes it so hard and the power struggles come in. And so I love that you figured that out, that you could go back to creativity and making it fun and and gaining your confidence back. That's awesome. And 
really, yeah, school is really life. And you mentioned this too. It's like you're playing board games, you're doing stuff and, and you can, you know, you can do the curriculum stuff too to help guide you, but it's your tool. But school is life. And I think part of the reason why we sometimes fall into that trap of letting the curriculum be our master is that that's how we picture learning to look like. Right. right? You know, and maybe and, that's how uh, we learned as kids was separate. But there's so many other ways that they can learn that looks a lot different than just writing in a workbook or um, whatever. And, you know, like I said, some kids like to work, write in a workbook. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. But I'm guessing you probably have a lot of wonderful ways that you get your kids excited about learning that you can share with us because you're the hands-on homeschool. And I know, um, yeah, so maybe let's ask it like this. Why don't you share some of your ideas of how you help your kids get excited about learning, but then also maybe you can tell us how to calm the mom's fears who goes, oh, hands-on learning that's so much extra work and so messy right oh yes for sure so when you're thinking about hands-on learning a lot of times people do they think like this is gonna be a lot of work and a lot of um, planning and I've got to think out every learning outcome and I see um so I mentioned games I love using board games but the problem that I see some people make here is they say, all right, we're going to get out the bananagrams and we're going to practice your spelling words with bananagrams. Okay. I mean, maybe, but <laughs> there's, but what if you just play bananagrams? Yeah. You don't have to tell them they're learning. You don't. And you don't <laughs> even have to include their spelling words. I remember being a kid and I, uh, I, I was not homeschooled when I was in elementary school. I did have some homeschooling um, as part of my education. But when I was like in elementary, middle school, I was not homeschooled. And I remember sitting and playing Scrabble with my mom and my grandma and my aunts. We all, everyone liked, and my cousins, we would all play Scrabble when we went to my grandma's house. And I literally was sitting there reading the dictionary. I was not in school. I was reading the dictionary because I was looking for a word that would help me get the most points in Scrabble. So why do we, why do we think that we have to, it has to be only those spelling words? Why can't we take the pressure off and let our kids play and learn different words? Is that going to all come around later on? Of course it is. Is it going to help them to become better spelling spellers overall if we just let them play? Yes. So we have to reduce that fear that, you know, we don't have to approach every game or every activity. It doesn't have to all be structured. Um, it can be, let's just start with this game. And this game, um, I love games. I, I love using board games because there is so much uh, learning that can happen just kind of outside the box. So that's kind of an example like Scrabble or Bananagrams. Just play the game and your kids yeah. are going to get better at spelling. So let me add on here too. What you're saying is just go have fun with them and don't have an agenda. Exactly. Right. And because and kids are going to learn what's relevant to them. And if they want to win the game, they're going to read the dictionary. <laughs> they're going to read the dictionary for sure. And yeah. You know, and sometimes though we can buy or use certain resources to help them learn a specific 
you know, concept or skill or, or remember something. Um, when one of my kids was in co-op, he was supposed to learn um, all of the 50 states and the capitals and the, um, the, the motto, the state motto. And the teacher said, make flashcards and then study your flashcards. I was like, we're not going to do that. And I bought the scrambled states of America game and we just played it. And I didn't say, okay, it's time to play, you know, scrambled states. We just played that game. And guess who learned all 50 states and the capitals and all of the um, and all of the slogans or the mottos. And now that was more of a structured use of a game. I did have an actual learning outcome attached to that. And he knew it because he knew he needed to learn those. But would you rather do flashcards or play a fun game? So there's structured play with your kids where you're just, you know, like, providing certain resources and saying, this is going to help you learn this in a more fun way. But then there's also the unstructured play. And what happens is they kind of, they, they forget which one they're doing because, yeah. you know, because it's like, oh, mom has a lot of fun ideas. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's not always like that, honestly, but you know, you know, you do what you can to pull in, you know, the fun um, and the hands-on things, not just board games, but you know, there's all kinds of, you know, even playing Legos. One time we were learning about the Netherlands for something and we were learning about um, the windmills. And so I said, I wonder if you could build a, a windmill with your Legos. Well, I didn't see him for like 30 minutes until he came back with a beautiful windmill. Oh, so, and I like how you phrased that too. You said, I wonder if instead it's just of- an invitation. Yeah. Next thing you need to do is build a Lego windmill. And then maybe they're going to be like, well, maybe I want to, and maybe I don't, you know? Exactly. And I have learned this, um, how to, how to talk to, especially my strong-willed child. Yes. Stronger-willed, you do need a whole vocabulary. And I like that, you know, I wonder if. <laughs> it's just an invitation. And they might say no, and that's okay too. I have yeah. found when they do say no, that in maybe a couple days, I see a Lego windmill. Uh -huh. You know, it's like they can't get that. One of my kids loves to draw. And so that's one of my tools that I use with him. It's like, I wonder if you could draw a picture of, you know, this thing, um, you know, just to kind of, because I know it's going to help him yeah. learn deeper and more authentically. I wonder if you could draw a picture of that. I'd be like, I don't want to draw, you know, because he knows, you know, he's they've kind of caught on to how I am. And I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. But then later on, I see a picture of it. So I find I that to be, be patient. Yes. And I find that to be so true too. It's like, if you were to say this, this picture is due on Friday, then you're almost entering into a power struggle and you would have to keep reminding them and you would have to keep nagging them and then they're going to want to do it even less. And exactly. yeah, I like, I like that idea of just being a little patient because, you know, it'll swirl around in their mind and they might even think it's their own idea too. Mm -hmm. You just kind of are there to pique that curiosity. Yeah. And, and I like using, I do, um, I use curriculum. I use it as a tool. Like you said, yeah. I use that kind of as like the spine because, you know, before <laughs> I was like very tunnel vision and only doing the curriculum and, you know, like I can't veer off this. I have to say what everybody, what everything says, but now I just kind of look at it as a tool, as a spine, and then I can 
say, I know my kids well enough to know where to, you know, kind of veer off and like put in those, like, I wonder about this, or I think I have a book about that, or let's, you know, or we, we might be somewhere and I'll see something that will remind me of that. And I'll say, Hey, look, like, remember when we learned about that? I want, you know, like, and let's go check that, you know, or maybe we just go to a place where I've already planned this out, you know, but it's, it's sneaky. I don't tell my kids everything that, that I'm thinking because that would, that overwhelms them and that makes them anxious about their learning. And I, I just kind of keep it to myself. And I, that's another kind of problem, um, mistake I see some people making is they're like, Hey, look, we can do this and it'll be just like what we learned in history. And maybe just, you know, let, let them in. make the connections. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, you know, we do kind of have an agenda, but we're allowing them to choose if they're going to take the, the fish bait or, or not, you know, yeah, exactly. And, and if it's going to pique their curiosity, just like you said. So it's, it's like the curriculum is really just like a springboard. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And they, they may want to dive in and they may not. And either, either option is fine. Yeah. Because they're going to, if they're going to learn it, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be on them anyway. We're, we're, our job is to provide the resources, to provide the, the books, the information and have that available to them um, and to present it in a logical sequential way that, you know, will allow them to learn, you know, you can't just throw random information out, you know, and that's a problem I see people doing with, um, the enrichment areas a lot is they're just like, uh, music lesson. And, uh, this is an art, you know? So it's like, it's gotta be like logical and sequential in some way, but over, you know, that's all mapped out and they go through and then they take it or, you know, they take that nugget. I don't know. It just makes it easier when it's all yeah. <laughs> mapped out. Well, and, and they're going to learn whatever they're, they're ready for, whatever they're willing to learn and whatever level they're on in the yeah. moment. And so if we can provide them that up, op that opportunity, that environment, but not make it super required. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's, you know, when we start, you know, requiring our kids to know these things, it's not really even fair to them and it's super stressful for us and causes power struggles. So what if they're not ready? What if they're not exactly. interested? What if they're not willing? Yeah, yeah, it's that whole idea of um um performance versus participation. Like we have yeah. to, you know, they do have to have a level, they have to meet a level of performance um, in, in some areas of homeschooling, right? Um, they have to know their math facts. They have to know, you know, like certain, they have to know how to read and there is a performance attached to that. But when we're only, um, when we're only after that performance, when we're only after that, they, it, it, it hurts our relationship. It hurts our yeah. relationship so bad. We can't constantly be like performance, performance, performance. We have to balance that out with participation. We have to participate alongside them. We have to allow them to be a equal partner and, and create their own learning. We have an environment that we've cultivated at our, in our home. We're like the gardeners. Um, <laughs> so there's, a, um, you know, the frog and toad books for, for kids, yeah. Arnold Lobel, the yeah. one story, my kids, one of my kids, especially is obsessed and we have them on audio. So I've heard it a million times, <laughs> but, um, 
the the um the garden i think is the name of the story and um they give him seeds and he's like t- yelling at the seeds and he's like seeds start growing and like <laughs> so <laughs> it's like we do that to our kids we're like grow learn yeah. learn this now and instead what we need to do is we're cultivating a garden we're making the conditions right for our kids to learn that's more important Yes, absolutely. I love using that garden analogy too, because I'm like, you know, each one of these seeds are going to grow into different things, but at different rates, do it at their pace. Yep. And they're going to do it. Some are going to be bigger and faster and some are going to take a while, but they're all going to grow up and, and provide their fruits to others, you know, and, and it works. It does work, but you're totally right. I had forgotten about that story. <laughs> I love that. It's like, seeds grow. No, <laughs> that can <Exactly>. help. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yes. I love that. So what other hands-on learning ideas do you have? I, I like to do everything hands-on if I can. Um, I try to, um, I like to use, um, manipulatives in math using lots of hands-on um figuring it out i like to use cooking to help with math we of course science and um stem within our virtual co-op we do all of the hands-on things um and it is our actually all of our co-op classes are hands-on so we do those on the art classes music is all about you know we want to take the things that they know or that they are learning and make it, um, make them be able to show that by doing something. So we're not just learning, um, looking at a piece of art and knowing who the artist is and maybe what techniques they used. We're going to do that on, a, you know, ourselves and it's going to look different. And it's totally like a creative, totally a different, we're not copying what they've done. It's a different, um, we've got something different in the outcome, but we've used the same technique or with music. We're going to take the, the form of the music, how that music is organized. And we're going to move to the, you know, it's a pattern like a, B, A, C, A, or whatever. And we're going to move differently on all of those sections to show that we understand how the music is put together. So I just like to pull it together in all of the areas. It's, it's how kids learn best and finding ways to just to either introduce a new skill or a concept with a hands-on thing so that they're already have that confidence built up or you, I mean, there, you could use it in three ways in the beginning to introduce something new um, where, oh yeah, remember when we played, you know, such and such a game that is a kind of the same thing that I'm teaching you already. We um, play with numbers all the time. Just like, I wonder if, you know, and there I am saying, I wonder again, like how many um, ways could we do, you know, make this 30 things into, into different groups, you know, and then we'll just like make it into different groups. And it's not, you know, anything. It's just whenever I see it. And so uh, I don't think I explained that very well, but we're, we're oh, no, just playing. You're, you're weaving it into life. You're, yes. you're just asking questions when you see opportunities just to make them think. Exactly. Which, now, which for, makes it more hands-on in real life. 
Exactly. So my, um, my son just finished second grade and he has not really been introduced to, um, multiplication yet, but he knows how to multiply because we've done it so many times with just like playing around with stuff that when he sees it next year in his, in his math, he's not, he's already going to be confident enough to at least attempt it and try it and feel successful. So you can use hands-on learning to, like beforehand. And then like I shared with the Scrambled States of America game, you can use it to teach or you could use it after the fact to reinforce the concept or skill, like, like the Scrabble game, you know, like I'm not using Scrabble to teach, you know, the spelling words. I'm using it to reinforce maybe things they already know and they've already learned. Yeah, I love that. You just gave us a ton of ideas. So for your hands-on le learning, you're playing games a lot. And, and I love that you're playing it with them too. Because I think sometimes it, it'd be easier to just say, well, it is easier to just say this. <laughs> hey, go play this game. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that just doesn't work as well. You know, like at our house, we have a lot of games and sometimes the kids will pull them out and play. When I go play with them, they're more likely to play. Right. And yeah. it's an easy way to play with your kids um, and build that connection and, you know, like relationship yeah. with your kids. Whereas, you know, I'm not going to get on the floor and play dinosaurs. Like I just, I yeah. just can't, I'm not going to play Legos. I, I'm not gonna, you know, I can't, I, I'm not going to run around the yard. I mean, sometimes, yes, I play with them in the pool. You know what I mean? Like I do yeah. that kind of stuff, but it's, it's an easier way to play and encourage play in your kids, especially when they get older, um, because they start to lose a little bit of, I, I think our society tells them it's not cool yeah. to play after a certain age, but if we can keep them playing board games or, you know, and we do it with them, then it does help. It helps with that a lot. Yeah, you're, I'm right there with you. I, I would struggle like playing with Polly Pockets or something with them. Cause I realized, you know, my job is really not to entertain my kids. And sometimes I actually get in the way of the story that they're creating. They, they just want that. you to hold the guys. They don't want you to. No, no. Well, that's the whole thing with imaginative play like that. When they're playing make-believe, they are actually totally learning men because they're processing how to create stories. Like one time I found my daughter uh, playing Barbies and all of her Barbies were named the local political candidates names because wow. she was listening to us. <laughs> I love that. So, so that's, you know, that, that imaginative play is super important for them too. And that's very hands-on and that's a great one for moms because we should stay out of that. Yes. I have um, seen puppet shows and um, plays that yeah. reenact and they've put those together on their own. Yeah, you know, that and, just, and, and it's imaginative. And mm -hmm. that's a totally different way of looking at learning, but it's like a huge key part of a childhood or, you know, of your childhood when you play make-believe, because what you're doing is learning how to create stories to make sense of life. Yes. And when it, you know, I think a lot of kids are missing out on that opportunity because they don't have enough time anymore because they're too structured and too busy. And so I always like to make sure that they have that free time to do that. So that's a great way to do hands-on learning mm -hmm. when they're uh, in their unstructured time. But then, you know, sometimes mom needs to come in and, and build that relationship with them and do the things with them. It, it, it I don't know. Sometimes I kind of think as a homeschool mom, 
can I just get something and hand it off to them and just, you know, have them learn everything. But a huge part that you've been talking about here in building your homeschool life is building that relationship with them. Absolutely. So if, yeah. if we're not going to interact with them at home, might, I guess you might as well send them off to school. I don't know. But I, for a while, that was a real struggle for me because I didn't want to do all that stuff. Yeah. But then I, I realized it's building my relationship with them. Yep. And that's most important. Yep. So, and, but there's, and there's easy you have to be creative. You have to think creatively and think outside the box of ways that you can do that, that still like protect your own energy um, yeah. and, um, and, and allow you to connect. So like playing board games for me really works well. Um, reading aloud is another one that's a huge connection builder um, and something that is, you know, something that will protect my energy and um, help letting them, um, you know, help in the kitchen when, you know, when it's sometimes that's not so much a, <laughs> a energy pr protector for me, or um, it doesn't protect my energy, but, <laughs> but it's good like for them to help with, yeah. help me with things or, you know, when I can let them do that. And they're learning all of these things and it's building a connection at the same time. So it's like that multi, you know, just like dual tasking, multitasking, where we're getting multiple, um, outcomes out of what we're doing. We're, we're not only improving our connection, but we're allowing for that hands-on learning to take place. And it's, um, and we just, it, we need to find ways to make space for that, to, to make time, um, for that. You know, if you're, if you are a scheduler and you're like frantically pulling together and responding and reacting to everything that's around you, you are not going to have space for that. And you're not, you know, so you have to know what you need to outsource or what you need to let go of, or what you need to not expect perfection in, you know, you have to balance it because you're, you've got to be that, that leader, that creative leader as a homeschool mom, rather than, you know, somebody who's frantically <laughs> just well, reacting. Yeah. Or being the drill sergeant, trying to make sure everybody's doing everything. That's a stressful way to do it. And I love that what you're just saying there. It's like, as mom, we do need to protect our own energy, but we also need to choose what we're spending our energy on. And you were talking about planning there a bit. Yeah. So, sometimes if we're so scheduled, we don't ever have enough time for just life and the things that happen, because you know, things are going to happen if you have kids in your house. Right. Uh, you know, and so I finally realized because I started off trying to be very scheduled, you know, uh, first we're going to do math for 45 minutes and then we're going to switch to this and then we're going to switch to that. And, you know, there is something to be said for having a plan for sure. But what I realized is what I really needed was a flexa plan where <laughs> I had my yes. general ideas of what we were going to do and when kind of more of a flow but it had to be flexible enough so we could take advantage of those hands-on learning moments during the day. And, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like what you say too, if you don't schedule in the time to be there with your kids interacting with them, it's 
probably going to be a little bit more difficult to happen, especially as they get older. When they're little, they're always there, right? But as right. they start getting older, they're going to want to go off and do their own things. And if, if you don't schedule in the time, it's going to be tough. And as they get even older, they're going to be like, oh, do we have to? You know? Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. You no, know, you're showing them what's important to them. Yes. When you prioritize it. Yep. And they are, they mirror what we think and what we feel, what our attitudes are. Uh, so if we aren't even, even if we aren't making the time or putting an emphasis on um, being creative ourselves as, as moms, then they are like, well, that must not be important. Like they see those attitudes and they see those things and they want to, and it, you know, that saying more is caught than taught. It's so true. So if we have an attitude that like, I can't do math because math is so hard, you know, they're going to say that too. So you have to have that positive, you know, you have to, you, you really have to work on yourself first. You know, it's, it all comes down to how we are and who we are and how we're leading our kids, uh, leading our homeschools. And that's what really determines uh, what their attitudes are going to be towards that. Which is really bad news for many of us, but oh, no. also good news. <laughs> well, because I remember doing this very thing. I was so stressed out at the beginning and we were not having fun and they were mirroring me. And I, the beautiful thing about homeschooling is, is what better incentive do you have than your kids to make those changes? Right. Because, you know, I remember thinking, oh, I'm not creative. I mean, now we've got Pinterest, so nobody has that excuse anymore. But, <laughs> you know, back in the day, I don't know how to do this. I'm not creative. And and I, I would think I'm never going to get this right. But I realized, you know what? My kids are the most important thing in my homeschool here. And I'm going to figure this out. Right. <laughs> so, it's very motivating. No, it is very motivating because it was for my kids. And so I had to figure that out. What you're saying that my kids, they're going to just copy me, which is a bummer unless I change. And that's how, you know, like that's how it was going for us. Like I, when yeah. I look at my, what my oldest was doing and saying, he was just, he was just butting heads with me, just bringing it right back to me. And oh. I had lost my create, um, my creativity. I had lost my confidence. And he's like, well, I'm not going to do what you say. If you don't, if you're not confident, what am I, you know, like, obviously those oh. words weren't exchanged, but it was those attitudes yeah. that were fighting against, um, each other. So it's so true. Yeah, it's so true. It is an amazing journey though, really. Cause I was like, well, you know, if I had sent my kids to school, would I have looked at myself and decided to change as much as I had to, <laughs> to be the right. example I wanted to be for them, you know, to lead out on my hero's journey so that they could be empowered to go on theirs? Exactly. Well, I can't really answer that question. I don't know, but I do know <laughs> that homeschooling my, my kids, it magnifies the issues in our homes. Hmm we can't just shut the door as easily on right. issues, you know, but right. that's a good thing. It, it is. is a good thing. And it does teach you how to step up and lead on your journey. So I love how you describe a homeschool mom, because that's what we're doing. We're really creating the environment. We're facilitating, we're, we're guiding, we're not making them learn. 
And the other good thing is we don't have to actually do everything ourselves. Because I think sometimes that puts all the pressure on moms as well. Because we think, oh my gosh, I'm failing because I'm not teaching my kid every single thing um, that I think he needs to know right now. But really the beautiful thing about homeschooling is it just opens up the door to this huge treasure trove of resources out there. And we're facilitators. We can find what we think our kids are going to like. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, David Allen is a productivity specialist or um, expert. He says you can do anything, but not everything. Yeah. So So true. So good. And especially for homeschool moms, because we tend to think we can do everything. Yes, we do. That We have to. Yes. We don't. We don't. Well, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story on this podcast today and your words of wisdom. You have so many good nuggets there. And like, I wonder, Mm. use that phrase. Let's try that out. You know, I wonder if, and and remembering that our kids are like seeds growing and that we can't make them grow. And I love this whole idea of just making homeschool life and trying to see how we can relate it to life and making it hands-on learning. So I appreciate you taking time out of your business schedule, but I would actually like to hear a little bit more about your virtual homeschool co-op. And actually that would be a great thing for some moms who feel like this could be a great addition to their homeschool too, because you don't have to do everything yourself. Yeah. And that's more about that. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly why, because like I told you at the beginning, I, you know, wanted to bring all of these things into my homeschool. And I realized I can't do it all. I can't have it all. (laughs) So I started, um, so I've got some expert teachers and put together and the homeschool, like subjects that are hard to teach and that there aren't really great resources out there for. So we have music, art, STEM, and PE, and uh, we teach all of those subjects in a hands-on way. So there's always a lesson where we teach the necessary skills and concepts. Um, We relate the music and the art to history. Um, So music, so we do composers and we look at, um, you know, a lot of people like to do the the composer studies and we do that. We just take it a step further. Um, And the same thing with like art, you know, with um, picture studies as a big, you know, thing for homeschoolers. Well, we do a picture study, but we take it a step further. Um, and then um, where we're actually creating our own um, art or uh, using and applying, we're using those higher order thinking skills um, to get to a, um, an outcome, a result that we can that we can share. Uh, the STEM class, STEM is all about problem solving. STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math, but it's not those um, subjects uh, standalone. It's using them together uh, uh, to solve a real world problem. Um, and it's even, you know, not the, you know, sometimes I see like the kits and stuff that say they're STEM kits and stuff, but they're like very precise, like follow the directions and you get the results. That's not really STEM, um, but it's open-ended. You know, it's like, here's the problem and how are we going to use the engineering design process to get a solution? So we have a lot of really fun um projects and um, things in there in the STEM, um, in the STEM curriculum there. Um, and then PE is we teach new, uh, we have warm up, a warm-up activity, a lesson, learn about sports and nutrition and famous athletes and things like that. And then how to 
do the sport or how to do the activity and, and then an opportunity or a game activity to go and play. So that's kind of how, what we teach in there. It's um, a full school year's worth of lessons. There's over a hundred lessons um, in the co-op. We have, um, it's a, it's all, um, it's not live. It's all flexible to your schedule. So you can do it any time of day. Uh, it's, it's really a um, good way to build those connections with your kids because you're not the teacher and you're not trying to force things on them, but you get to be like rockstar homeschool mom that has like all of these fun activities that go along with it. And you just facilitate the activities, um, but nobody's over your shoulder saying you have to do it, you know, exactly this way or exactly that way. It's all there for you to take and uh, watch and then, and then go do. And it's also for the whole family to do together. So kids, you know, kindergarten, pre-K, we've had, uh, we have uh, several families that have even high schoolers that participate sometimes with their, with their younger siblings, um, but it's geared for kindergarten through eighth grade to do all together. That sounds amazing. I love that. And it's such a good idea too, because it makes it really easy. Exactly. For sure. And so many people want to include these subjects in their homeschool, but they don't want to be you know, driving all over town and putting their kids in all of these like, you know, performance <laughs> things um, or, you know, just finding random classes on, you know, YouTube or Pinterest and trying to make it make sense to their kids just to get just to fulfill a requirement. So it's sequential. It follows, you know, a logical um, thought process, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but it just makes it so easy. You can just turn it on. It's awesome. Well, let us know where to find this and you, how, how do people hear about the virtual homeschool co-op? And actually I was thinking too, I love that you call it a virtual co-op because not everybody can participate in a co-op. Maybe they don't have one around or maybe there some co-ops require too much volunteer work and, and all that. So yeah. I, I love that because that, that does solve a need there. Yes. And, and it's not just a curriculum that you buy and, and you never hear from us again. Um, it's, we have a Facebook group that, you know, where we can support, you know, the homeschool parents and we have, um, we have workshops that we do and uh, just really help to support, you know, the whole family, not just, you know, here's some music lessons and art lessons and, you know, have fun. But um, so, yeah, that's how the co-op all ties in. But you can find us at thehandsonhomeschool.com. And if you actually, if you go to thehandsonhomeschool.com forward slash sneak peek, you can uh, get some free classes. So you can do that. The link is also in my Instagram bio. I am at the hands-on homeschool and also on Facebook um, at the hands-on homeschool. So you can find me lots of places. It's all the hands-on homeschool. <laughs> so. Well, awesome. I yeah. love that. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And yeah, let's pour some more creativity into our homeschools. Yes. And the beautiful thing is we don't have to come up with all the ideas ourselves. Right. Yay. Right. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Building Heroes podcast. Can you help more people join the Building Heroes movement by sharing this podcast? More people can find it when you subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. For more help on Building Heroes in your home, get the free Building Heroes resources at 
www.buildingheroesacademy.com.